looking to stand out from the crowd? Are you looking for exclusive content you can't get anywhere else? Sign up for the shoulder of Orion Patreon at bladerunnerpodcast.com slash support and show the world you're something special. The following audio entertainment is brought to you by the kind folks at Tyrell Corporation, reminding you that civil registration isn't just common sense, it's the law. Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Patrick Green and Dan Ferlino. And today we are joined by a guest. Well, let's we have a secret guest who is just here listening, Dominic Nardi, who is a patron. Thank you for listening. Thanks for uh, engaging, being in our group. And we have our guest on camera, two guests with us, Murray and his daughter, Eve. Thanks for being on. Hey, everybody. So I'm going to toss it to Patrick. Is that what we're going to do first, right? Well, before you toss it to me, if it's okay, I'd like to toss it to Eve for a moment, who is officially the youngest person, only a little bit younger than I am. Let's be clear. A little bit younger than I am. The youngest person ever to come on Shoulder of Ryan, the Blade Runner podcast. (laughs) I'm 100 years older than her. And century between them. It's crazy. Um, but Eve, can you give us a little bit of like your background and how you got into Blade Runner or what that's been like with your dad? Well, we you, you should do all the talking, so I'll, I'll get you started. We uh, I had gotten involved with the podcast, got in touch with Daniel, is how I sort of got introduced to you guys. I went to the event, and so she's heard me talking about it. And so we finally sat down and watched the movies. And I, I've mentioned on, I want you to tell some more of this, but uh, I mentioned on a previous podcast that uh, rather than the usual things that some people come out of the movie with, like, I want to ask this decorative replica, it is, um, she came out with a much more profound, like, what was that bit about the unicorn? And I thought, yes, she's getting something deeper than the, order, than the sort of typical. And then in the, at the end of the site, so then we watched this 2049 and the tail end of that, and like, what profound thing is she going to say? And she said, I wonder if Stellene was a replicant. And she thought about it without me poking anything and, and said, no, she's not because she was human. She was born through natural processes rather than manufacturing. That's kind of the end of it. And again, like the whole mind blown meme thing happened in my head. And um, we've had a couple of good chats since then. So what did, what did you think of them? And, uh, do you have more? No, no really. I liked both the movies. They were interesting. Um, they're both long, right? A lot of, a lot of, interesting, a lot of interesting things come up. Yeah. So, Eve, I, I know you're on the spot. I know you're a little nervous. Just take it easy. You're with friends here. I don't know what to say. Here, okay. um, how about this? I'm going to ask Eve a question, but then you can sit with it and we'll go back around the conversation and we'll come back to you so you can have some time to think about it. But I was going to ask you, tell us anything you like about your experience watching the main two films, the original Blade Runner from the 80s and 2049. But think about um, what to you were the differences or similarities between them or like the general feeling that they gave you like you know was one darker for you or was one you know whatever whatever you think about the differences between the movies maybe think about that and we can circle back around to that okay um yeah let's pass it back to patrick i guess 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if you if you had an answer, you don't have to raise your hand. You just just yell, and we'll stop. And and you can say whatever you want. And I also want to know which one you like more too. So those oh, yeah. are two two things to be thinking. Oh about man, the tough question. Yeah, it's a big question. Actually, if you have an answer to that right now, you can share it. Yeah, the second one in my opinion is better. Why was wow. that? Yeah. Wow. Okay. It was, to me, it was like, that was, for me, kind of more interesting, and it left me with, like, a bigger cliffhanger. Uh, well, what was the cliffhanger? Well, is, like, is she like, Oh, that question, like, yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of things. It made you think, like, what else, well, what, what else would you like to know? Uh, well. I'm, now I'm really interested. <laughs> what, what other things would you like to, what, what, what questions did you have that you haven't, have been thinking about, haven't resolved yet? Are they sure that was? The horse that had like the day under it. Yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah. Are they sure that was me? Are they sure it was her memory? And then when he. Wow. Well, well, I I missed that. Uh, yeah. Can said, you say that again? When, uh, Stellian, wait, was he? Yeah, in her memory, you know that horse, that little wooden horse that she yeah. had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that actually her memory or not? Well, that's a great question. Let we can talk about it. As or opposed to being implanted, you're saying, right? Or some somebody else's memory, right? You're saying was it somebody else's memory? Yeah, yeah they never really confirmed. She just said it wasn't his. That's right. It was That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's really good. That's the first time she's I haven't thought of that. I haven't thought, thought of that. that yeah. That's a great point. What do you what do you think, Eve? Do you do you have a feeling either way on that? Do you think it's her memory? Um I do, and I don't like. I do feel like it was her memory, because, um, wait, actually, sorry, um, yeah, okay. okay. You can come back to it if you want to think about it a bit more. Yeah, I do. Okay, let her stew on that. That's a good one. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great that's a really great question. And if you have, we've noticed on this because my kids have asked a bunch of questions that have been really cool too. That a lot of the times the kids that watch this have like the most amazing takeaways from it, and just like what that was just now, things that were missing, you know. So yeah. specifically, Eve, while you're on with us tonight, if you can think about other questions like that or other like things that you didn't see an answer to that have like that you kind of thought about since you saw it the first time, you can go ahead and like you know have your dad like type in the chat or something. We can stop and address it, or you can go ahead and say it. But I feel like. Uh, either way it's uh it's great so thank you for sharing that yeah. um so going getting a little bit into the into the rest of the episode for a bit uh we are here right now at the very end of 2020 which is a year that of course is uh it goes without saying unlike anything that we've experienced to date um and as i said before we started recording i, I profoundly hope that we don't go through something like this again with the awareness that 2021 isn't just a blank slate right that we're still going to be living in this world. But at the end of the year, we all like to do this thing where we kind of look back and then we turn around and we look forward. Uh, and I was struck coming into this year at how different December 2020 was from December of 2019, right? December of 2019, we were hot off of our live event in Los Angeles. Uh, I literally had been in Africa a couple of weeks before this month started last year. Our lives were so different. And in terms of Blade Runner, uh, it was also very different, right? Like the comics weren't out yet. Uh, we, were they out? I don't think they, they were, were out yet. They started in yeah, they were announced. Yeah, right. They, they started early in the beginning of this year, right? Um, and, you know, there were a, a, a million things that we will get into tonight were very different. Um, but even from just a, 
overarching show perspective, we were really steeped in the world of 2019, right? Because it was 2019 and we had the event. And because we were doing this whole ongoing series, the 700 layer cake, 2020 comes and we start off with this 2049 series that I hope we can spend some time with tonight. We start off with these comics that we're loving. Um, we start off with news about things like Black Lotus, with things about the anime. Um, and we start off with this world that is then thrown into complete chaos and it reframes a lot of what we talk about on this show as fans and just as people. So uh, tonight I was hoping, and I really would love for those of you who are joining us live right now to be as actively involved as possible in this. Like I, I would really, really, I, we would all really, really appreciate that. So please type in and, and share your thoughts. We would love to take a look back at the year in 2020 in Blade Runner fandom. Uh, and we have some moments from shows that we've done that I think we're going to have some time to get to. So anything that you've heard this year or experienced this year or read this year, if you would like to share it, that would be great. I want to kick things off just briefly by noting uh, that we basically stepped into this year by remembering Sid Mead. Um, his loss came right before New Year's um, of 20, basically almost exactly a year ago. Uh, and that was a loss that reverberated for me throughout this entire year for many reasons, one of which was the the concept art that was shared uh, as variant covers for the comic book. So just being kind of continually reminded of what a genius he was, but also um, thinking about what his loss means to film in general, right? He was such a titan for so long. He lived a long and fruitful career in life. And, uh, and that's something that I've just personally really felt this year. And so remembering him, taking that time at the beginning of the year was, um, it was special for me. Little did I know what we were going to be losing, you know, for the rest of the 12 months to come, which has been absolutely crazy. But anyway, uh, I want to go ahead and... The death of Rudger Hauer, which was earlier that year. Yeah, which, which was only was a few months colossal. before that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this, this year has been full of a lot of loss. I, I think that we can also agree that it's been full of a lot of um, appreciation too, you know? So anyway, anybody can start. Uh, what What's something this year that you're going to take with you into the future? Wow. I could throw in there uh, David Foster Wallace's story this is water, right? That's what it's called, Patrick. Yeah. So rereading that this year and being reminded of the meaning of that story, which to summarize is uh, about how life is hard and you have to remember that other people are going through things and to just sort of be aware. And it's about, man, it's about a lot of things. Patrick could describe it better than I, but anyways, I'm really appreciative of rereading that story which is very short and easy to read and kind of being reminded of what's important in terms of humanity and empathy and stuff like i really take that stuff to heart so it's a good year to be aware of that and realize that what other people need etc that kind of thing can i jump in and give a little more background on that because right. even though it's not yeah, related, please but, you're the expert I, well it's something that i think sets up I, honestly, probably some pretty good themes for this conversation tonight, Blade Runner or otherwise. Um, the idea, so so this is water is a commencement address that David Foster Wallace, who was my favorite author ever, wrote for the graduating class of Kenyon College about 15 years ago, uh, and it's it's become kind of a staple in a lot of um, circles as like an example of a great speech because it's very non-traditional and it gets at something that's really profound and yet really. Um, easy to understand, which is that basically every moment of our lives 
uh, is a moment for grace, whether we realize it or not. Um, and the only way to actually like achieve that, to achieve some sense of peace with ourselves and the world around us and to see the beauty in it is to be present and to realize that the majority of our days will be spent doing mundane tasks. We'll be waiting in a lot of lines. We'll be sitting in traffic. We will be going through a lot of just the normal vicissitudes of, of a lived life. And that, that doesn't change the fact that we're here in the first place. And so to notice that and to be aware of that and to look at the complexity of the world that we live in and all of the crazy experiences of everybody else going through this is to live a really great life. So the, the this is water thing that Dan is alluding to that the title comes from, comes from an allegory that he shares in the beginning of the speech where he says, uh, you know, there's two young fish swimming along in a river and they come up to an old fish and the old fish looks at the young fish and he says, hey guys, the water's great today, isn't it? And the young fish go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they kind of swim on, they go on about their day. And then a little while later, one of them turns to the other one and he's like, the hell's water? The idea being that they didn't realize that they were swimming in water to begin with. Um, so I, I personally, the reason why I have that tattooed is because to me, that is like how you make it through years like the one that we've had, right? To realize that for all of the anguish and pain that I have felt per just personally this year, that everybody else has their own complex relationships with anguish and pain and loss and anxiety. And that like we are living in an incredible interconnected web of that that exists outside of my own little mind, right? And so by breaking away from that and questioning what's out there, um, I can be a more empathetic and, and whole person. So yeah, so I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. And if anybody ever wants to talk David Foster Wallace, that would be be great. Um, I want to do a quick in memoriam. Uh, something that really devastated me. This I lost a couple of people that I was close to this year. Um, young people too. One of them was Jenny Baker, who uh, was a collaborator of mine. She was doing a project for the last uh, maybe eight or nine years called Erasing Infinite, which is going through infinite jests, which which is David Foster Wallace's magnum opus. Um, and doing erasure poetry from it. So she takes some of the words out and creates new poems. And so the book is famously really long. It's 1400 pages with endnotes, depending on the edition you're looking at. So it was in the news and blah, blah, blah. And I was commissioned to write a song cycle um, about six years ago. And I was like, I'm going to find the poet who's doing this work and I'm going to set this thing. And so we worked together really closely on this thing for about a year, traveled together to Jamie's part of the world. I got That's how I got to Chicago for the first time. That's how I got to um, Indiana for the first time. I spent the week at Bloomington. And um, Jenny and I did a keynote presentation at the International David Foster Wallace Conference talking about music and poetry and his work. I got to travel to his birthplace. I got to spend time, not his birthplace, to his, to his home where he wrote the book. I got to walk in the cornfields where he sat you know, before his death. Um, it was one of the most profound four days of my entire life. And she um, was diagnosed about uh, 19 months ago with uh, an aggressive glioblastoma. And she died um, just a few uh, matter of weeks ago. Um, and that was like, that was a really, really hard thing to go through this year for me. Anyway, getting off topic, but I do want to say rest in peace to Jenny because she was just an incredible spirit and um, 37 years old. Anyway, yeah, that's something that um, will stick with me too. But I'm glad you brought that up, Dan. Um, through this year, I think uh, I have been, we've gone through a lot of sort of reevaluations in, in a lot of, I used to be that to, to escape, to, to get away for the weekend, we would often just leave the state. Now I haven't left the immediate Bay Area at all in like a year, which is so foreign. And so we've had to make, uh, like make vacations in new ways, find stuff that's closer. It, it's been, it's forced a big shift in uh, make, making do with less um, we see fewer people, we see, um, we, we don't travel as far anymore. 
um, we were lucky enough to manage to move during this pandemic to a, uh, a, a bigger place, but outside of San Francisco. So we're, we have a lot more space around us now. Um, but you know, we're spending a lot more time just as a nuclear family, just the three of us together. Um, that's been a big shift that I didn't see coming. And that's something that we're going to carry forward because there's we're much more, we're, I think we're closer together. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> uh, put her on the spot again. Um, but I think that that's, a, that's something that I'm, I'm actually thankful for that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's changed us in those ways. And I think that those are positive ways. I'm trying to find, you know, what, what can, what can we say that's good that's come of all of this? And that's one of the things for sure is we're, we're closer. Um, I think that I, I even call my family more often than I used to. So there's, there's those sorts of shifts I think are what I'm going to try to cling to as we come out of it. Yeah, that's very much happening to all of us at the same time. And it depends on your perspective and how you take it, but there's definitely a lot of good and hope to be carried forward uh, into the coming years from this year. Um, yeah. While we're going around uh, Eve, there's a lot of bad things that everybody could tally up about this year. And we've certainly talked about some of that, but if you had to think of one thing that you really liked about this year, or one thing that was positive or good, um, regardless of whether it's inherently that way or just your perspective on it made it good, but something that when you think about this year, like makes you feel good or you're glad that it happened or something like that. And if you need time to think about it, we can go around again. <laughs> it's no big deal. I got a kitten. You got a kitten? Yeah. Oh, what nice. kind of kitten? What color? Um, he's black and white. That's awesome. Yeah. What's his name? Milano. 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 Milano, like the cookie. He's happy right there. That guy right there. That's so cool. That's awesome. I wanted... We got a dog this year too, actually. Sorry. Did you? What were you saying, Eve? Sorry. You want a dog? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Maria. <laughs> well, uh, I've wanted a kid for a really long time. So that made me really happy. Yeah, that's awesome. Getting a new we were, pet is really cool. We were renting uh, a place in San Francisco and the, the uh, owner just didn't want us to have any animals that weren't caged. So yeah, as, soon as, as soon as we moved here, then we, all right, fine. We can have a cat now. And my allergies seem to be behaving. So she's, she's happy. Solid. That's great. That's really great. And also, um, I got to go back to school in person. So I get to see my friends a lot more. That's awesome. Are you there every day? Every day, except for Friday. Because great. Friday, we have to go on zoom because there's like a certain amount of kids that can be there at once. So there's a rotation awesome. grade that has one day out each each day of the week. Um, do you want to tell them what it's like? This the spacing and the, the no spacing. talking bit. Oh yes. That's okay. that, that, that was very interesting. Um, so one of the annoying things about being back in person is when we're having lunch, we're not allowed to talk, like at all. Right. So yeah. That's weird, isn't it? Whoa. What do you do? Do you just kind of look at each other eating? Yeah, pretty pass, much. Pretty pass much. Notes. <laughs> Yeah, you can write, right? Um, yeah, we can do that. Um, and then there are some days where we have to stay inside, and then there are some days we're allowed to like go outside and like run around and stuff. Um, so yeah. Sounds like a science fiction movie. It's so yeah, crazy. That's, that's, that's why, crazy. why I came up actually, exactly for that reason. Yeah, I, there there was so there were a couple of times this year so far where we've had to pick my my kids up from school because of uh, like a sudden quarantine issue. So like when they started, they were back two days a week, depending on their cohort, right? And then they would be off and then they would go back for two days. 
Um, and and there was a, a COVID case on on my seven-year-old's bus route, and that was like a huge issue. And then he was back for a week, and then there was a COVID case in his class, and then he was out for another two weeks. Um, but now things are kind of holding steady, and uh, and it is it is really surreal. But I got to say, Eve, you kids are like the strongest kids like, ever. I am so blown away by how like you you seem to just be taking it as it comes and being positive. And uh, and I'm really I'm I'm really proud of all of you. I, th I think we all are. It's, it's amazing what you guys are dealing with right now. Yeah, yeah. I think I mentioned the last time I was on that uh, there are times when you know you grow up thinking I'm going to be the uh, one of the parents in this family. You want the blanket? Um, I'm going to be one of the parents in this family, and um, my kids are going to look to me for advice and guidance and protection and support. And then we enter this pandemic, and there are times when she'll ask like, when can I see my friends again? When can I go back to school? And I'm forced into this position where I have to say, I don't know. And it's okay to say that, but I never grew up thinking I'm going to have to admit to my child that you're in danger and I don't know what to do about it. Um, it's uh, that's, that's still is a weird adjustment every time I have to say it. Yeah. I remember that from the previous, from the last yeah. time we were on, we had a conversation about that. It's still with me. <laughs> but it's liberating as a parent sometimes to do that, isn't it? To, to be honest that you don't actually know. Oh yeah, and if you come out the other side of it, okay, but you go into it dreading like, is she gonna think less of me? And of course she doesn't, but you know, I'm just, I, I was totally unprepared for even having to go through that thought process. Right, yeah, right. mandatory growth in ourselves, our relationships, our families, our professional uh, careers, like everything. It's just like, okay, this is gonna suck and you're not gonna like it, but you're gonna come out the other side a lot stronger and smarter and having dealt with something that you had no idea what it was going to be like, et cetera. Yeah. It's the first year where like, I'm always kind of not, I would say not glad that I don't have kids. Like I'm looking forward to hopefully having kids at some point. Um, and this is the first year where I really felt the plight of parents. I was like, man, I cannot imagine what it's like to be working and teaching from, especially if, if you're in a family that has a teacher, Good mm -hmm. Lord. I mean, good night. That's just like such workload. My uh, friend who's a teacher was even telling me some schools went into temporary stages where they were doing some in-person and some zoom teaching. And they were like, that's twice the work. Like it's crazy. Oh, yeah. Like we can't take this workload and still take care of our kids. And I was just like, man, I'm glad I skipped this year, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's just, it, and it's, I think that's a good um, highlight, especially having two parents here and two non-parents. It's a good mix of like what you see in America, right? Like everyone's age and problems are different during the pandemic, but we have this unifying thing, like mm -hmm. watching Eve talk about it or like even her listening to you talk about it. It made me think, wow, this is gonna make me sound old Eve, but I was thinking when Eve grows up and is like 2022 20, and is like traveling or going to school or whatever you're doing at that age, you're going to meet new people and you're going to be able to relate to them immediately by just saying in conversation, Hey, remember the pandemic of 2020? Like, what were you doing? Like, so 9-11 is that event for, for me people too, and yeah. me and Patrick's like age group, generation, whatever. I mean, all of us, but, um, you get asked that all the time. Where were you during 9-11, right? Because we were of an age that we can remember what we were doing. Um, you know, Jamie was in his early 70s. Jamie, Jamie, I was gonna in remember, my first right? year in college. Sundowning at that point. <laughs> Jamie's like, I broke that one down in my diary. <laughs> with a feather, with a feather quilt. Yeah. <laughs> with a wax seal. But yeah, so 
the generations before us have had these big life-changing events that like, I don't know if you like history, but as you start reading about it more and more, if, if the historian is good or the person telling the story is good, they can make you feel what it was like to be those people in like Berlin during like fire bombings and like crazy stuff going on that would seem like hell on earth that we have not experienced, especially not in this country. Um, and every generation has some big thing that happens that is like wreaks havoc and like, you know, people are sick and dying and it's like intense. And then the whole society kind of recovers. And this is kind of that thing for our generation. It's better in some ways and worse in other ways. But um, if you step back and think about it, this is something that we're all going to be talking about. And there's going to be movies and stories written about this period of time, which is a great thing for creativity. I think, especially if you're an artist or you like drawing or singing or um, doing any stuff like that uh, or writing, even I think like taking on these moods and this time is like an opportunity that you don't always have. You can't just write a diary about being in some crazy situation. You'd have to make it up, right? This is like real and a little bit different for everyone in, in its reality. What's interesting is um, in both, both Blade Runner films, the question is what it mean, what is what does it mean to be human? That's a question we ponder all the time, whether it's on the show or in our discussions or in our groups or whatever. And this year really to for me um, heightened that question. What does it mean to be human in a very in a setting where you can't connect with other people? Really? I mean, unless you are you you have the benefit of being married or you have kids or you have a part, a partner or a boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever that you're with. What does it mean to live a human existence when you can't touch people, when you can't um, reach out to people, you can't hug people, not even your own parents, not your sister or your brother. If you're, you know, for grown up and you're living separately, you can't fly to see them. You can't, I mean, you could drive to see them, but you'd have to stay, sit outside their house. But also that in context of a very volatile summer that we had where we saw firsthand what it was like to treat people as the, as if they were not human um, and how scary that can be. Um, so it's re in my, for me at least it's, it's just ask that question in the biggest way possible. What does it mean to be human in this world that we're living in? That's in some ways mirroring 2049 where there's a lot of emptiness. Everyone's in their home. Not a lot of people are on the streets. People aren't in their offices. Those offices are empty all over every city in, in America. All those offices are empty and we're doing what we need to do from home. And how do we, how do we retain our humanity within that context? And that's been hard. And I think we've all have been, I can only really speak for myself and just cause I know with Patrick, but we've all struggled with uh, the the effects of distance and what that when you when you feel like you can't be around people and you need to be around people and you need that connection and you need you need that uh, that touch um, and it is either your life or it's your need which are both you know I mean obviously you want to keep your life but when the you know what the question I've had for a while is like how do you get you need human touch how do you get that in in something like this you just don't and you have to live with it that's how you get it you know um or that's how you deal with it um 
and all of those movies that we've seen, like even or the shows that we've seen, I, I keep thinking about like The Walking Dead and how horrible humanity was to each other in those in those shows. And the I stopped road. watching the other road, but I stopped watching The Walking Dead a long years ago. Uh, I think much like you, Patrick. But I keep thinking about that now because it's more pressing. Because in some ways, it's very real. Where everyone is in the same place everyone's struggling there's you know we don't live in a country with a great social safety net so it's essentially you're on your own unless you have a job that can pay you to be at home or or whatever um or you're a really essential service so you're on your own um how do you go ahead no i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you no, it's okay. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> my bad. I'm sorry. I was really trying to let you finish. I just, your Walking Dead example was just making me think about how, without being overly dramatic, this situation is basically the first five to seven minutes of a zombie story before people start turning into zombies. All of the factors, and, and it's and it's a little reduced compared to the average zombie pandemic that's shown in science fiction, but all the other factors are there, right? People talking about more authoritarian control because it's safer versus no, let us be free. Like those political discussions are happening in those stories as they should, right? And this looming danger that is outside is a slightly more metaphorical to the people who haven't lost anyone. But if you've watched someone go from COVID, like that's a very real thing in your face. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, you know, like I've heard my friends say, it's like there's a monster outside that we can't see, but we know it's there it's, and we yeah. can't go outside. I mean, again, not that you can't go outside, not that you have to live in fear, but I'm saying at the extremes, that's the situation. Um, it's, it's pretty a, crazy. It comes at night, essentially. It's yeah. an invisible monster. And right. I think that's the real... Um, I mean, there are definitely parallels to Blade Runner, and I would say they're more emotional parallels, emotional distance. And... It, Unless you're the homeless and you're living in a building like Kay's building, where there's a bunch of people living on the steps, ostensibly. Um, it's a lot of those people deal with a very private sense of distance, uh, of lack of connection, whether it's Kay, whether it's Joshi, everyone. They're all dealing with it. Um, but as we continue down this road and things get worse with the pandemic, it changes into essentially another film. It changes into whether it's contagion or parts of the walking dead or it comes at night where, or alien where everyone is a possible threat to you, everyone. And it's getting worse because the infection rates are soaring. So it's like, well, do I go to the grocery store? I don't know if I go to the grocery store. It's really terrifying to me. Um, and I think what's oddly ironic and I, I would say comical, but not, um, but yes, it is, is when you see those shows or those, mo- those movies and you see people in them acting crazy and they're like, I even think like of contact when there's contact made with like extraterrestrials and you see all those crazy people in the desert with their signs, protesters and stuff. Yeah. yeah and you're like, okay, whatever. They always have that scene. It's true. People it's act true, crazy. People yeah. act so crazy that they have rallies saying we're not going to wear masks yeah. and we're not going to do this and screw this. And they end up dying left and right. It's absolutely I thought about that nuts. scene in contact too, Jamie. Specifically oh, really? This, this, yeah. There's a few moments in films like that this year that I've been like, oh my God, that was real. Like that was, yeah. that was actually, like, this is what yeah. actually happens in these, in yeah. these situations. 
Um, I want to, we have a great comment from our really good friend Xander um, that I want to read. Um, and then I also want to pivot back to a couple things that both you and Dan have just said, if that's okay. So Xander says, uh, House says, this year was a rough year. Went through a pretty rough breakup, moved halfway across the country, a friendship ended, etc. I went away from the fandom for a bit. Couldn't watch either film. I was so depressed. The films are my comfort films. I finally watched them again. The giant pink joy scene really struck me full force and helped me face my feelings on my relationships and friendships ending. Uh, that's when I started diving into the fandom again. This podcast is really helping me through this year. Um, there's a, a bunch of things in that that I kind of want to unpack for a moment. But one of them is that this year has not been one thing for a lot of us. And it's it's interesting. He also moved, right? I moved. We bought a house in another state and moved to it. Jamie has moved seven times this year. <laughs> you know, Murray and Eve and their family moved. A lot of people are taking this kind of crazy reframing of everything as a chance to start again or as a chance to to focus on yeah. things that they yeah you know what? there's something to it i think um which is not at all at all what i was expecting when this started this was that that there's been a lot of things like that in my experience of this pandemic and this year because this, this year is more than the pandemic this year is also as jamie mentioned the, of course the racial issues and the uprisings and things and the it's 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 uh, there's a, an, just an, an enormous amount to unpack politically about this year this it's just been an insane time but in terms of the pandemic specifically because i think that's where a lot of the most sort of direct blade runner parallels come in um i i there's a lot of things that have been unexpected for me one of them is that one of them is that a lot of us took this time as a chance to focus on things that were important. I think to find things that were important to realize I have to risk it all because who knows if I'm going to have another chance to, right? I think a lot of us have looked mortality in the face this year for the first real time. And that's been something for me. And I've talked to you guys about this. That's really haunted me a lot. Part of it was losing my friend, but I also lost a colleague this year to another very rare condition. I, I know many people who have died from COVID, um, not close family or friends of mine, but you know, friends of friends and family members of friends, as, as you all do. This is not news to anybody, which is crazy because it should be news, but we all know people who have died of COVID. Um, and that's crazy. You know, it's it's insane. But at the same time, we have also grown hugely. On early episodes this year, we did this quite a bit, right? We're, like, So for example, we have a two-parter on dystopias, right? Um, and actually, our our great friend, Dr. Robin Bunce, just published a piece on this, which I'm going to go ahead and, Jamie, if you want to maybe just type it in the show notes or something, or maybe if you wouldn't mind, if you just throw the link into our um, live stream so people can read it because it's, it's a great article. Um, anyway, uh, that was that there was there was a two parter on that. And in that uh, in that two parter, we were talking a lot about the fact that we found ourselves sort of in this proto dystopia all of a sudden. Right. And how have other how have films dealt with that issue? How have works of literature dealt with that issue? Um, and how are we dealing with it as people? Something that came up a lot in that conversation was the parallels to 2049 that Jamie was talking about, right? Which was this feeling of alienation, of being locked inside of our, you know, our, our prisons of our own creation, right? Of being disconnected from each other, of, of craving that connection again. And that's been something that's been somewhat paradoxical for me this year because my feelings on that have shifted a lot because in some ways I feel more directly connected than I've ever felt in my entire life to other people because the types of connections that have survived this are like really important. Like they're really important. The time that I get with my parents, for example, now I am like treasuring that time. I am like desperately needing that time in my life. The time that I get with my wife who became a nurse this year, another crazy huge transition. Like I was telling you guys, she worked 14 hours today, just got home 
um, and is getting vaccinated tomorrow morning at 6.30 a.m. We're going to head over to do that, which is very exciting. Nice. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this whole time, of course, there's been that issue. There's COVID patients in her, in her you know, floor. Like this was a very, it's been a very frightening thing for us. The time that I get with her now is like is is even more sacrosanct than ever before because I feel more acutely that connections are things that you have to fight for, right? The world is not going to make it easy for you to connect with people. The world is not going to make it easy for you to make time for people. The world is going to do what it wants to do, and society is going to do what it wants to do, and disease will do what it wants to do. And what those things all want to do essentially is separate us from each other, um, which is really distressing in some ways. So I, I have noticed in my life um, friendships that I treasure have become much stronger this year. Um, casual communication with people has essentially stopped. Like I don't have that anymore. And that's something that I've, from a mental health standpoint, had to deal with because I apparently need that. <laughs> like I, I need small talk in my life and I just haven't had that in a long time. Um, but the, the talk that I've had with people has been very profound. I, I've cried more than ever this year, which is really saying something, but I've also laughed a lot more this year than I have in the past. Um, and a lot of that has been at the same time, you know? So, uh, so from a connection standpoint, when I look at 2049, my feeling of it is that, you know, we launched into this series thinking that the story of this year was going to be mirroring the story of 2049 more directly, at least for me, than I think it ultimately has. Because I'm sitting here on December 30th of 2020, uh, feeling, uh, sitting in the same chair that I've been sitting in now for, it feels like 700 years of my life. The chair that I work in, the chair that I, you know, write music in, the chair that I podcast from. It's like I'm sitting here all the time now, and yet I feel more intimately than ever before that I'm sitting right next to all of you guys, that I'm sitting right there with you, um, including you, Eve, who thank you very much for still being on this episode. I got to say, it's amazing. Um, I feel like all of us who are making time for things like this in our lives are fighting for it, right? We are fighting for it because our frontal cortex is exhausted. We are physically exhausted. We are all, and I, I, I do kind of think this is true to varying degrees, some of us clinically and some of us not dealing with depression in some form, you know, this year. Um, and if we're not actively dealing with it, we're trying to avoid having that feeling. Um, we are fighting, right? Our kids who are going to school are fighting to have a normal school experience. My children put on PPE when they go into school. They are sitting there through plexiglass shields looking at each other, right? Eve can't talk to her friends at lunchtime, right? When they go out for recess, they have to maintain six feet apart and they have to be like separated into certain parts of the playground based on their last name starting letters, right? It's, in, it's nuts. And yet my kids fight every single day for that connection. They make Zoom play dates. You know, they write notes to each other about what types of Beyblades they want to get. They can't see each other, but they see each other more honestly than I think that they would have otherwise. So this is a long and rambling way of saying that it's December 30th of 2020 and I'm glad that we all made it here for one thing, just physically. And I'm also really glad that we've made it here the way that we've made it, which is having fought for something really special. And just like Kay, so this is, the, it's funny though, because as I'm, as I'm even saying this, I'm thinking about Kay in particular, and I'm thinking about what he fought for, which was, I think, very 2020, right? Because he was in a system that was sort of forcing him to be disconnected, right? He was in a system that was forcing him to be um, immune from, love right to be to be separated from 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 that and he got so close to something that was you know profound and he thought he was like the chosen one right and that didn't happen and yet he still fought as hard as he could for this one specific connection between a father and a daughter to make that happen regardless of everything else that could happen um and that to me feels 
the most 2020 of all, you know, like forget about the isolation for a minute, forget about the incredible eco disasters we haven't even talked about that have happened this year. Forget about, you know, the orange hued uh, nuclear desert of Las Vegas. To me, the most 2020 oh, thing of all- <laughs> oh, yeah. he's been to vegas you know so yeah it could be but but put all that aside for a second from a 2049 perspective right this movie was appropriate for this year because it was somebody dying to make a connection somebody who threw everything that they had into this very simple act of connecting and i think that that to me is why 2020 feels like the 2049 setting more than it did at the beginning of this thing it's inter- my, my relationship has changed a lot with both the film and my own life, I think, as a result of living through this nightmare scape that we've been living through. What's uh, odd about it, or I would say what's to kind of pick up from what you're saying is, I think over the summer, and when things were a little easier, we can say that if I can say that, because they were for a little bit, I felt like 2020 had a lot in common with 2049. Um, just... Because we've all been, you know, quarantining and or at least been not seeing other people, even if, you know, I know, Dan, you actually go to work. You have to you have to. It's your job. But um, aside from that, you don't you know, you see very, very few people. And so I was feeling the distance. The distance was much more tangible now as we are sort of headed into the woods or we're in the woods um, and it's getting thicker. I feel like we've passed, I've passed 2049, where I'm in a different emotional territory. I'm in a different psychological territory. It feels like um, the road. It feels like, um, or I, I almost feel like a little bit, a little bit more like Deckard than I do K, because Deckard was living this life, this interior life, sort of shut off from everyone else. Um, I mean, I guess both Kay and him were, so they have that in common. But it's, this year, it's sort of changed for me. I I don't see, I mean, I certainly when the fires were happening in California, 2049 was all over the news. It was all over everything. It really brought the film into, it brought the film into the current zeitgeist in the way that, I actually, not that I didn't think it was going to happen, but for the original film, that took time. That took years. That took decades for people to reference that and realize what it is and realize its impressions, not not only on the genre of science fiction, but how it's going to mirror our lives in the future. What are we doing that's pushing us towards that? Um, speaking to um, what Ray Bradbury said as a warning. It was kind of a warning, and we would see that. We would talk about it, and as we'd get a little bit closer, we'd see elements of 2019. Now, 2020, for, in, 20, in 2020, it's so dire, uh, whether it's um, climate climate change and sort of the, the collapse of sort of the socioeconomic, I don't want to say barriers, but any safeguards everything was sort of collapsing in on itself and then you saw that gray smoky or sorry orange smoke everywhere in california it was all over the place and i was like we've entered into a new phase where it's not even there's it's not just that it looks like 2049 you can't go out and you can't even breathe it you can't even you can't even at least when things were a little easier like okay you can go outside now you can't even go outside um it's 
So, uh, you know, but uh, I would say the balance of that is, and this is something I've spoken with Patrick and Dan with to some degree, is this year has reawakened stories that I was dismissive of, whether it's in film or other, thinking, oh, wow, like whether it's on, on a political level, um, because we're, we're in a battle here. We're in several different battles. We're in in political battles. We're in uh, health battles in terms of the pandemic. And we're in economic battles in terms of trying to, to survive this. Um, and some stories that I thought were kind of dumb or like, oh, whatever, they became more real for me. Like, oh, no, this is actually true, you know? Um, so it's been it's been a fairly profound year for me um, in terms of like absolute loss to great jobs. Um, it's been it's been pretty. Yeah, it's, it is exhausting. It's exhausting, Patrick. I think that's the I think everyone is just really tired and there's no end in sight right now. You know, I mean, I know the vaccines out there, but we, people like you and me probably won't be vaccinated until at least May or June, you know, so. I don't know. It's hard to process it. It's ongoing. Yeah, it's definitely the right time period when you think about science fiction that we love. Even it made me think about, well, again, I was joking earlier, good thing Blade Runner is set in 2019 and not 2020 or would have just felt like such a terrible parallel two on the nose and our event would have been canceled we wouldn't have been able to get 100 people together to watch Blade Runner downtown in LA you know on in November 2019 like that was a really lucky thing that happened yeah. um but then we did get Semini and we set that in 2020 and while that deals with a semi not concentration camp feel with replicants, but you know, that certainly a lot of oppression in that way and a lot of lack of freedom to move around and a lot of people, replicants being tagged or marked with something. And we don't have an outer mark, but I feel like the stigma and the judgments and all the things that are just in the air about were you outside? Were you outside with a mask? Did you go running with a mask, without a mask? Did you keep six foot distance? Oh, now this thing's saying that if you're exerting yourself, then really 20 feet is like the more right distance. And then it's like, are you going to pass this person? They're going to give you a dirty look. And like, you're just trying to run. You're just trying to go outside. You're just trying to go to the grocery store, whatever the case may be. Right. Um, and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, Oh, is there like nuclear fallout? Like what is going on here? It's just, it's a very surreal situation. And you realize that when you go from mask to unmasked, like it's not doing that much. You're not putting on some crazy respirator. It's not like a science fiction movie. Right. But you know, that the literature out there says, you know, and it makes sense. Same way. If you put your hand in front of your mouth to cover it, less spittle is going to get out. Same thing. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just a crazy feeling the, and going to different States and seeing how different people are acting in different communities are reacting. Um, especially because the story we hear a lot is non-compliance, like rural, rural towns that maybe don't want to do what the governor of their state is saying or whatever. But I've also run into rural towns that are stricter and put more strict spacing and masking and stuff. And like Jackson hole was like that. Um, or the town of Jackson in Jackson Hole. And so it's kind of like, 
yeah, you know, that's, you're going to experience different things and businesses are going to handle things differently, but it's a very weird, surreal time to be alive, I guess. And again, something that we're going to remember and watch stories like this and films like this, like the Blade Runner um, franchise with just a different level of apprehension and a different level of relating to that, especially again, there's so many layers to it, but like what Jamie was saying, that intimate closeness issue where, yeah, at the beginning of this thing, I went a couple of months without hugging anyone. And then like, there are exceptions like my girlfriend or, you know, uh, maybe I probably hugged my mom once, like during this entire thing, you know, like things like that, but you still feel it regardless. Or if you see no one, you know, that much worse, but um, yeah, these things are just constantly around in a weird web of events and postures and situations where you have to like, you're reassessing your safety all the time and the safety of others and stuff. It's yeah, it's, it's trip. Um, I've, after a whole year of this, just last week, we were doing the, the Zoom call with the family sort of thing. My, most of my family's up in Canada. Um, and for um, one reason or another, I had to stop the call and go do something. And then and I started to have a very uh, painful reaction to the fact that I just, I, had to, I haven't seen or touched my family other than even my wife since probably the November before, well, before I met you guys all in Los Angeles. So it's been that long and, you know, I'm watching my, watching her cousins grow older. I'm watching my brothers grow older. I'm, you know, my parents grow older and I can't be up there with them at all. And so I probably the weakest point in this entire year dealing with all of this was that break in that zoom call. And I had to be away from them. And I, I sort of melted down a little bit before we put the call back together again. Um, it all finally came to a head. And um, in the conversation you were just having, I was trying to think, so how does this tie to Blade Runner? And I realized though that Kay, when, you know, when he's trying to interact with Joy, and that's the only hope he's got for any sort of connection, and it's he, but he knows it's fake. He can't touch her. He can. It's almost like a ghost that, like, when you lose a limb or something, like, there's that ghost there. You could probably feel it, but it's not real. It's your brain playing tricks on you. Like, there's affection supposed to be there. I'm supposed to feel a hug, but I don't feel it actually. And how that all gets resolved. And so I, I, I thought about that that scene on the roof when he's, you know, they're supposed to be a, there. It was their their nearest past to intimacy and they, they, it, it was just, it was still absent. And I thought uh, that's probably the easiest way to describe what I was feeling during this interrupted Zoom call when I couldn't touch my family or reach out to them. I could see all the things that we used to do every Christmas in the past when we were together and I would see, you know, they have a tree and they're sitting around the table and I know I can taste, I can almost taste what it is they're eating because they make the same thing every year, the same Hungarian traditions. And uh, yeah, that was, that was brutal. Um, and it only happened a few days ago and I still kind of feel it and you're making me think about it again. Now. <laughs> well, to put, not to force a bright spot at the end of your story, but what delicious Hungarian traditions are we talking about? Um, uh, no, well, that's more, no, that was my dad's side. My mom's side, there's a, it's, it's per, pierogies is one thing. Oh, yeah. And um, also there's this, there's this um, pasta dish. It's little tiny balls of pasta. There's just, it's like you, you're going to cut spaghetti up into, into tiny little pieces and then boil it anyway. And then cook that with uh, onions and some bacon fat and just a little bit of salt. And that's, that's the side dish. 
um, my brother that lives in Toronto would, would perfectly happily eat just a giant bowl of that and no protein and nothing else. And that was just, that was his thing. So, you know, and I, I can see a bowl of that in a zoom call and I'm thinking, Oh gosh, I can taste that, but I can't, it's, 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 it's simultaneously 800 miles away and 10,000 miles away. It doesn't matter. I can't get to it. And uh, yeah, yeah, it might as well be Neptune. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's, I think, the fundamental strangeness this year is that in some ways we're so close and yet like we're so, for the most part, physically far away from each other. You know? I can see Oakland from where I'm sitting, where Daniel is probably on his phone. <laughs> but, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen Daniel since we, well, we my daughter, even I visited him at work uh, in what, February or something like that, January, February. And that's the last time I've seen him and he's just right over there. But yeah. You can see his mansion from your window. Actually, <laughs> if you look out, you can see at least the, the bottom couple stories of it, right? There's, there's a movie playing on a big sheet outside his house right now. Girls, <laughs> girls, please. <laughs> um, we have another comment actually from uh, from from Gene McDonald. Um, so he says uh, this is probably the last opportunity to chat with the three of you together before the new year. So thankful to have met the three of you through perfect organism podcast, looking forward to furthering the friendships I formed with you and more great content. I appreciate you guys. Happy new year and happy holidays to you and your families. Also, we find out the sex of the baby tomorrow. Very exciting. Gene. Dun, awesome. dun, dun. Very exciting. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I remember those days. It's going to be a girl. Do not, do not blow up a barrel of like blue or pink explosive in the woods near your house. Do not do that is now frowned upon. Just officially not okay. <laughs> Patrick, you've kind of oh there you go. There you are. That's yeah, funny. I froze. I don't know what's going on with the Patrick internet. froze up, but I thought he was just like being Me chilled too. by my stupid <laughs> joke and not getting it. And I was like, oh no, I've totally epic failed. <laughs> what was it? I missed the joke. What would say it again? People Oh, I was telling Gene not to take uh, a giant barrel of like blue or pink explosive material and light it on fire in the woods near his house. That's like officially <laughs> frowned upon today in 2020. <laughs> yeah. It's a sore spot for California. I know that and, and much of the south and the west of uh the United States. Um Gene, you and everybody else has are so immensely appreciated. The, the 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 fandom this year has been unbelievably warm and and kind and considerate. Gene's been on some community episodes for PO. He's become a friend of ours through that. Murray, this is your second time on, I think, yep. this year, correct? The second in LinkedIn now. This hopefully, one. Uh, second in many. Eve, this is your first time. I hope it's not the last time. Um, and Dominic here here is our silent observer, also just a, a big part of our you know extended family. Um, Something something actually came up right before we started recording that I, I, I was thinking about. So so Jude, you know, my oldest son, uh, f finally figured out that it was shoulder of Orion. Apparently up until now, he thought it was shoulder of Orion this whole time. <laughs> and uh, and he noticed that it was actually Orion. And Which our friend like, named oh, Brian named so the show, so it's not that inappropriate that it was shoulder of Ryan. <laughs> he did literally Ryan. <laughs> just named it after himself. <laughs> yeah, Ryan's shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. We had to do the spelling pretty carefully in that. Um, but, you know, I told him, uh, you know, the, the quote, you know, uh, about attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. And I got like a huge full body chill from just saying those words. And I was really struck by not only how powerful that has always been for me, but right now how powerful it is. And something you were saying earlier, um, a couple of you were saying earlier about this moment being so indelible for us is that we are in some ways watching those attack ships right now on fire off the shoulder of Orion. Like we are at the Tannhauser gate right now. We are seeing things that are 
that we never thought we would see. We are seeing extraordinary things this year. We are seeing people screaming out loud in the streets for democracy and for, for civil rights. We are seeing people willing to die for causes that are huge and almost incomprehensibly huge. We are seeing people band together in the name of science and progress. We're seeing people out in the streets helping each other. We're seeing volunteerism rise. We're seeing people come together as a global community this year in extraordinarily profound ways. Um, and we're seeing it in the midst of this time that is just freaking crazy. That it, we're, I mean, the whiplash of headlines this year has been unlike anything else you know, I've, I've ever experienced in my life. So my point being that, you know, Dan, you were mentioning before, you know, previous generations always having kind of their, their thing that they've been through. I, I would I would posit that the thing that we are going through right now is completely different. I'm not saying better or worse or anything, but it is just extraordinary because we are so connected as a global culture at this moment in time that we, almost nothing can go unseen anymore. And we are seeing the true ferocity and explosiveness of humanity right now every single day of our lives. And we are seeing how in danger we are at every single turn. Um, and that's something that like I personally just was not ready for you know that's something that has really rocked me this year this this feeling of this world could just completely implode um at any minute um so we are seeing those attack shifts right now you know and and when and when uh batty says i keep i keep wanting to say rucker howard says but it, it is his character um you know when he says uh time to die at the end of that to my mind that always felt sort of like uh almost like not resignation but sort of like an, an acceptance Actually, you know what? I'm going to make this into something that's going to make sense. It, it felt like an acceptance. And acceptance to me up until this year has felt like a passive gesture. And for me, for the first time in my life, acceptance became an active gesture this year. I realized that acceptance is, a, is an extraordinarily empowering thing to do, to accept something for what it is. So Batty dies, right? Obviously. Um, but he dies accepting what he has lived for and accepting the, the finality of that moment. Uh, and I think that he takes stock of, of what he's had and he takes stock of, of this entire situation and he says, okay, I can let go. To me, uh, like, you know, my life in 2020 is not the life I envisioned for myself as a, to say the least, you know, as a young person, I didn't think that my life would be any of this. But even just a couple of years ago, I had goals this year. I had things that I wanted to do this year. You know, we had a lot of trips we were supposed to take this year. I had a lot of music I was supposed to write this year that is probably never going to get written because those organizations collapsed under the weight of not having any income anymore. There's a lot of things this year that were supposed to be different. And my big struggle, my friction this year has largely come out of this sense of I need to reconcile that. Like, you know what? Like it's not perfect, but but I'm gonna make it perfect. I'm gonna fight and we're gonna we're gonna make the best out of this and we're gonna we're gonna push forward. And that has led to a lot of just strain for myself this year. And so there's this moment in just in the last few months for me where I've decided that like accepting this is actually a very empowering thing because it means that I can see it for what it really is. I can see the water I'm swimming through, right? Um, and I can, instead of focusing on the imminent, you know, nature of death, for example, for Batty, I can focus on life. I can focus on what we have. I can focus on the extraordinary beauty and craziness of just this lived existence that we have, right? Um, and so, yeah, so I, this, just to say that that speech in particular really has continued to hit me very hard. And, uh, and I also am thinking a lot about the last time I heard, cause I don't think I've watched 2019 since the event, actually, maybe I have, um, but at the event, of course, we did a screening of it and I was uh, completely losing it during that entire, the entire screening, I was losing it mostly because of Rucker Howard's, you know, death just a, a few months before. 
Um, but especially that speech, I was just a, a mess. Um, and, uh, and I think that, you know, I was a mess, but I was in this incredible setting, right. With people, many of whom were on the call right now, or, or, you know, in our live chat who like had flown in from all over the place from other continents to be there, you know, in person, um, as a community, people were cosplaying, people had were dressed up for it. Uh, you know, we were in the middle of Los Angeles in this bustling place with just all of this activity going around. And, you know, um, it was like, so it was so full of life and so full of activity and color and sound and fury, you know? And then I look at watching that in 2020 and talking about that in 2020 and realizing what a quieter experience it is. Um, and realizing that there's something beautiful about that too. And that accepting that quiet experience for what it is, is actually kind of a profound thing to do. So meandering, but that's kind of where I am right now with 2020. I do want to switch gears just for a second. I know we're not going to be on here much longer, but Eve, I know your dad brought up how the, the way you view replicants, the way you were talking about replicants, which really altered the, has altered the way that I view replicants in the films now, like before, like we've talked about agency and humanity. And now I'm at this place where I don't know if they're human now. Um, and I was, and we're going to get into this in a series eventually, or a, a two-parter or whatever, um, in terms of like what re replicants are. And, you know, you have these things that are manufactured, they're not grown in wombs, they're manufactured, their body parts are manufactured and they're put together. And I've been thinking about all of those things based off that conversation that, he, that your dad told us about and that he had with us. So I'm pretty excited about that because it's oh. changed how I've seen, how I view everything. Like everything. Hot take. From the mouth of babes. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was, uh, it was, every time she comes up with something like that and I do one of these, I'm like, wow, she, she really gets it. This is a, um, and it's, 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 it's fascinating because the things that come up are not the things, not the things I've ever talked to anybody else about from my college years up till now. College years is kind of when I really got into paying attention to what the message of Blade Runner was. <laughs> All the way up to now and yeah that's that was pretty profound so nice work we have to watch them again and see what else we come up with okay <laughs> yeah you can uh we can come back to my questions next time even when next time you come on the show maybe you've had some time to think about it if it helps you you may want to write them out too or write out the bullet points and then maybe that'll help you keep track of what you were thinking but yeah. sometimes i write things down randomly when i'm watching a show so that i can remember to talk about it later you know Oh, yeah. Happens, happens all the time. Dan Dan always does that. Let's, it's not sometimes, Dan. You do that with every single thing that you watch. Probably true. It'll be yeah. interesting to see, to hear from people how much they're watching Blade Runner in 2049. Because for some people in the middle of this, they can't watch. They can't engage stuff like that. It's too close to home. Um, like Too dark. Yeah, it's too dark. Like I, I can watch those films because they bring some type of comfort to me for whatever reason, like even in the middle of what we're going through, because I can relate like, Hey, I'm in that same situation, What I can't watch are things like, um, that Hulu series handmaid's tales that what it's called. Um, which is yeah, dark. Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or, or, or things similar to that where, um, things already feel oppressive and politically oppressive and ominous. And I can't, I already have anxiety issues anyway, so I can't like exacerbate those anxiety issues. Um, so when we do engage the films again in our next episodes in the new year, um, it'll be interesting to see how people, 
how many people are have watched those films during this time and how they've spoken to him. And I know we've gotten into that before in Interlinked, but this is that was like six months ago uh, that we had that real big episode. So I'm I'm excited to hear about that. Six months is a lifetime during 2020. It feels like a know, so. lifetime. It feels like it was Doesn't two it? years ago. Yeah, it really you does. Um, go ahead, Dan. I was going to say, reading between the lines, one of the things Jamie's saying, I think, that he's not actually saying, is that he's really been enjoying getting on these random frame rates about totally different movies that aren't necessarily the like dystopian science fiction that we'd normally get pulled through. Um, I know I feel that way, especially when it's one that I don't pick. When we do our show frame rate that uh, we have on Patreon, you can go to um, perfectorganism.com forward slash support um, and join for just two bucks a month. And that is at a minimum, you're going to get those two frame rate shows. Um, Yeah, you guys want to mention anybody here, including Murray, any uh, films that we've done in the last six months that you guys have really looked back and liked that we did this year? Um, There's a few that are in my podcast queue that I'm really looking forward to getting to. Like, I'm looking forward to hearing what you talked said about Strange Days. And um, I enjoyed the Dune one as well, because at the time you did the Dune one, we were all anticipating that the Villeneuve one would have, you know, was imminent and now it's been pushed back. Um, But I've always found that movie to be this sort of, it's part of it is fun. It, it, I find it funny in that it's so bizarre, like the, it's so Lynchian and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's creativity that I think like that's, that's absurd. And I start to laugh at it, but then other parts of it are just brilliant and poetic. And it's, it, he flows seamlessly between those two things sort of in an unexpected pace sometimes, but I, I, I like it just about everything which is done. <clears throat> so I, I was looking forward to hearing the Dune one too. And I wasn't disappointed. So those are my, have been the, that's the one I enjoyed most recently, I think. And then Strange Days is coming up. And I'm looking forward to hearing what you had to say about it. Nice. I thought Strange Days, by the way, was a really underrated film for its time. We've talked about this over over chat, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and Jamie too. Um, I thought that it was far better than what it got when it first came out. Um, and but I'm not sure that it stood the test of time. Like watching it today, we have different. We have <laughs> developed different pace expectations for a movie than that movie had. So, um, uh, but I really remember, I remember really enjoying it and thinking like, why doesn't everybody else like this? This is great. Probably the same about Blade Runner, right? So. Yes, that was, thank you, Murray. That was a great <laughs> example of the non-dystopian, not depressing movies it's that right. uh, we like to watch. <laughs> Strange days. No, I'm just, I'm totally just kidding. Yes, I totally unmade your point. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Of course, we have to, we have to still hit stuff like that up too, but um yeah, I'll, I'll throw a couple in there too. Just, I mean, I've said it before, but the Lawrence of Arabia episode that me and Patrick worked on pretty hard on all the history behind it. That I, I really have gained a new appreciation for that film. And then uh, the three of us did It's a Wonderful Life. It's the last one that we put out. We were talking about it a little bit uh, before. And again, that's a film that for all three of us is in our like top few handful of films. Um, and it was really cool. Patrick kind of discovered it more deeply or maybe watching it all the way through for the first time during us doing that show. And so it was uh, expectedly, you know, an emotional and like intense experience, even just talking about the film. Cause at this point I've gotten to talk about Blade Runner a lot. And occasionally when I really want to, I can talk about alien with the guys, if I want to jump on their thread on that, 
but it's a wonderful life something that i've been watching for 15 years that meant a lot to me that i've never really sat down to talk with people about it who were like-minded and wanted to explore it so i love the opportunity to do that on the shows whether we have a guest on or not and i love hearing from all our patrons and um you know we do put out some free episodes every once in a while for the pandemic we certainly got in the habit of doing that and it's just nice to hear everyone's feedback and see like how the movie affected them or you know we're just constantly learning about film through hearing the perspective of everybody else and i really love that aspect of it i'm glad you mentioned those two because it's i'm embarrassed to say there are two movies i have never seen but now i'm going to have somewhere to go to talk about them as soon as i have seen them both lawrence of arabia and um yeah and that's the trick you know i mean that's how all my movie podcast listening goes like sometimes i just really like listening to a show where i'm familiar with the hosts and the way they talk about film but other times it might be something i wouldn't have explored on my own and now i'm like oh i'm super curious about dust boat or you know whatever film it is so i really love being a part of that process i honestly can't remember any move any move like with frame rate honestly like i just don't even remember what i've talked about on those however there's one that totally blew me away it's uh a movie that i was manipulated into watching um and it was the best <laughs> damn manipulation ever because i was like blown over by the film what was the title of the film patrick predator <laughs> predator <laughs> alita battle angel uh it was <laughs> It was the Charlie. It was uh, uh, Charlie Kaufman's uh, Netflix film called "I Am." Oh my God! Oh, what the hell is it called? Uh, ending this. Something ending this. <laughs> I'm thinking about ending. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of ending this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of ending this. Yeah. I'm thinking of ending things. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that film really in came out in this charged atmosphere that is our lives right now, um, and. You have people who are talking, but people aren't listening. People want to be seen, but they're also not seeing others. Like you have all of this, and it's this beautiful poetry that's like this tornado that's blowing you away, um, and taking you in its in its eye. And it was just a beautifully profound. I didn't like the ending. I thought it ruined the movie, um, but two thirds of the movie I thought was amazing. Um, and I, that frame rate is one of my favorites just because it's really like I, I am a prose guy like I write it in general and it really spoke the language that I know best so that's that was that's my favorite frame rate I don't even remember what we've talked about before I had to go look at the movies I don't even remember what we I don't even remember the movies <laughs> I don't even remember what we talked about with this wonderful life honestly uh, I don't I didn't even remember I didn't even think we did it I was like did I, we do it's a wonderful life I would just I like to highlight that my comment was 90% not joking because you definitely felt similar way about predator where at first you didn't even want to be on it then you kind of oh predator predator we didn't convince yeah. you but you decided to come on and then you were like wow this movie is actually a lot better and a lot deeper than i remembered and i was like thanks for coming on dude like i yeah, love that that was fun it's, I, I, obviously I remember it's, that. it's a different thing yeah. and it's not prose but like it's still fun to be surprised yeah, that by was something fun. that you've seen in the past but has more layers to it than maybe you had given it credit for like yeah. i do that all the time too you know that's why it's cool to revisit movies or to not write things off that i haven't seen even there, there's some things i'm not interested in seeing but i'm just gonna watch them anyways because i'm like okay maybe there's something there i'm not except for mother i'm not too but that. oh yeah we gotta watch that um <laughs> yes please uh but for context I totally was like, I'm not watching Predator. I'm not going to be on that frame rate. And then yeah, I was Jamie like, was being such a snob. Oh I man, know. I effing like... hate that movie. You know, um, 
No, but I did. I was blowing it off. Not that I, I didn't. I didn't hate it. I just like I'm not interested in seeing that movie. I don't, I don't really have anything to say. And then I realized Predator is inextricably linked with Alien. Um, how could I pass up? Because Carl Weathers, I'm just saying. Because Carl oh, Weathers is like back and prominent now. I just mean like Predator and then. Alien have been linked literally. Um, so I was like, how can I? This is almost like bread and butter of the show. I can't not be on the show. So then I, I watched it and I was like, oh, I was surprised. I was surprised how smart and intelligent it became and the film that it turned into. So yeah, I would agree with you, Dan. Thank you. Basically, if you ever want to come on the show as a host, just remember that half the job is just convincing Jamie that it's going to be good <laughs> and he just needs to do it. And then it's literally every episode. I'm like, Jamie, just do the frame. <laughs> just come on, man. <laughs> and he's like, what are you um, talking about? I do you remember. <laughs> we, 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 should, we should wrap. Um, yeah. But I, I just very briefly want to do a quick shout out to the Last of Us Part Two episode this year, which was one of my absolute favorites. That was just an amazing uh, podcasting fun. experience. It was about a video game for one thing, which is really interesting, but it's a video game that is like a, of life-changing quality. Um, and it was great. I got to do it with Dan, with Micah, and I got to have my incredibly good friends, Drew and Erica, come on, some of, some of our best friends in the world. And we talked about a video game for two hours. It could have been three hours long. It was one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, Dominic saying more video games. Yeah, I know you're a video game, dude. Let's do it. Um, so, and, and I, there's a million more games that I would love to talk about. Did we do an context. isolation interview or an isolation review for frame rate? The game and not on isolation? frame rate. Yeah. I'm sure you guys yeah. did an episode no. <laughs> on PO back when it came out. I, I was just, I, we I'm sorry to interrupt you. On it. We should. I need to play it though. The guy that I'm seeing. Yeah, we can watch me. I, I'm, I'm doing a play. So he's right going to bring it over. Grandma, I've already tried this. You can't play no first person video game. It's impossible. You just I'll walk try. around in circles and hit the wall. That's true too. No, Travis is gonna do it anyway. We we, we gotta wrap. I I, I want to give a quick a quick shout out also to It's a Wonderful Life, um, which Dan already touched on. But that's a great example of a movie that. So as you mentioned, I had a very casual relationship with it. My relationship with It's a Wonderful Life was oh, it's playing at old people's houses in the holidays. I'll, I'll just sort of <laughs> sit down and like be there for some of it and like half pay attention. But watching it from the beginning to the end with an eye critically towards it, like oh my god, that is such a good movie. That is such a great film. And it is a film that hit me in 2020 particularly hard for a whole panoply of reasons. But one of the main ones being that idea of, of, of active acceptance that I mentioned earlier, like George Bailey's story in that movie is that. It's like he the whole time he's kind of running from, he's kind of trying to get away, right? He's trying to like do bigger and better things. And he's trying to like have this life that he imagined for himself and, and starts to lose sight of the fact that his life actually is absolutely astonishingly beautiful. Um, and, and, and finding that, I think, I, I, I know I, I, it's hard to watch a great film and not put yourself in it a little bit, but I 100% was watching that thinking like, oh my God, this is my 2020 experience right now is realizing that like, in spite of all of these things that are going on, that there's so much here. It's such a huge world. Um, just in my own little world in this little household right now, you know, anyway, it's a wonderful life is an, is an astonishing movie and in a, in a many, many, many ways that even, you know, since doing that episode, I've rewatched it. I've, I've read a lot more about it. Like I, I, I almost want to do another episode on it because it's incredible. Um, there will be many more frame mates to come in the coming year. We really, as Dan was mentioning, would love anybody who is able to or willing to or interested in trying it out to join our Patreon program. It takes a second to sign up and you can do it for as little as $2 a month. 
and it goes tangibly towards these shows. As we mentioned in the beginning, our recording equipment is better. Um, for the first time this year, I've been able to reimburse myself for hosting fees. And I know Jamie has been doing that as well. You know, for, for the entire, all three and a half years that I've been involved with this personally and all 720 years that Jamie's been involved with it, <laughs> we have been paying out of pocket for every single expense. So consistently spending like 70 bucks a month on this stuff. And this is the very first time in this entire enterprise where we haven't had to do that every month. Um, and that in itself is just an incredible gift. So thank you so, so much to all of you. Thank yes, you for that. Thank you. you forgot to mention the giant bag of Kenner alien toys and Star Wars toys that you bought with the, with That's the true. drained our yeah. podcast money. And <laughs> bag it's a garbage bag full of action figures, actually. I'm sorry. No, like, These are going to be worth just, five times as much in 20 just years. Trust me. Just a variant repaint. Okay, but toys of the scorpion alien. No, <laughs> but I, I, I just... I've got this idea in my head that Jamie's been doing this since before there was the internet. <laughs> yeah, he used to I do was it doing this the before they were born. We <laughs> did do a fancy, like a letter chain. To be fair, I did. I did a yeah. fancy for Alien in the nineties. But I was in high school for Alien Resurrection. You were you were a graduate student. Um, I, uh, so I, I, I just I just want really want to make sure that we do emphasize that. Thank you. And again, it's just perfectorganism.com slash support, bladerunnerpodcast.com slash support, or go on Patreon and search for us or just send us a message. It, we don't need a ton of help, but every single tiny bit you can do will just help this show to survive and to be able to do things like live events again when we can, to be able to do these these little things that we want to do with audio dramas and et cetera, to keep being a, a voice for good in the, in the community. And honestly, like, because I'm a patron as well. Like I've been paying into our Patreon ever since before I was a host. And I just decided that that would be my contribution. So I continue doing it. And especially when I'm not on a frame rate and like it's you guys and it's coming to me uh, or it's a movie I've never seen. Like really, it's not even that much about the money. It's more like we're only, we only have an audience of maybe 55, 60 people on our Patreon right now. And so as much as I love these episodes, a lot of them aren't public because we can't just make an exception for everyone. Otherwise we should just do it for free in the first place. So that two bucks a month is a barrier between the 50 people that listen to Patreon and the like 1200 people that listen to the main shows or even more so for PO probably. So it's, for me, it's just about growing the listenership because I want more advice and suggestions and i want people to see these movies and and listen to the show and and write in and tell us what what they think you know like it helps us with our podcasting so it's a whole bunch of things but anyways i'll shut up about patreon now but um yeah i'm gonna sign off here and let everybody else close but thanks uh thanks to the patrons and thank you murray and eve for joining us and thanks everyone for a great episode and i hope yes, everyone's staying safe and doing it Thank you, guys. Best wishes for a much easier and less intense 2021. May you have a wonderful New Year's Eve, a wonderful New Year. And thank you, especially to Eve, who has been sitting here now for at least an hour and 40 minutes and been such a great part of the show. And we would love to have you on again to share your thoughts with us because you've brought so many new things. I can't wait to watch 2049 again, honestly, just with like the couple of things that you've mentioned tonight. So thank you, Eve, so much for being here. Thank you, Murray, for coming back. Thank you, Dominic, for being our silent partner in this tonight. Thank you, Xander House. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, everybody who's participating in our um, live uh, Facebook chat. We will be doing much more of this next year, including Instagram live stuff too. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and I will sign off as well and say, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart um, to the bottom of your heart for being a part of this fandom with us this year. Yeah. Thanks everyone. We'll talk to you soon.
To find out more about Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, please visit us on our website at www.perfectorganism.com. Shoulder of Orion is available for listen or download through Apple iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. If you'd like to join in the discussion, please join our official Facebook discussion group, Fields of Calantha, a Blade Runner discussion group.